Hello, college football fans. Welcome to episode 110 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined, as always, by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hello, Husker fans and college football fans. Hello, hello. Uh, So we're coming to you right after recording our previous podcast, where we talked about Nebraska-Oklahoma and Nebraska-Michigan State and our upcoming game against Northwestern. Um, This podcast, by contrast, will leave the Huskers to the side and we'll just be focusing on the national side of things in terms of what happened in weeks three and four of college football and what is coming up in week five. Um, So it'll be exciting. You know, lots of, even in these early weeks, you know, which typically aren't the most exciting because they're playing their non-conference, you know, kind of lesser opponents typically and things like that. Uh, Still a lot of uh, cool stuff to talk about in the world of college football. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, some some dynamics are changing within the within football too, right? I mean, uh, as far as uh, there, it's not as surprising to see some unusual or unexpected, you know, results, right? Yeah, uh, as it used to be. I mean, it used to be that if a lesser team or a, uh, whatever somebody from the FCS were to beat an FBS school, that was a big, big news story. Now it happens almost every week. Well, uh, I forget the actual stat, but I saw something that said that like this in the first four weeks of this um, season or whatever, there's been more top 25 upsets uh, than like any year since, you know, like 20 years ago or something like that. It's been a while since there's been this much kind of chaos at the top, as you said. I believe it. I believe that. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to start us off with is on our previous podcast, episode 108, um, we were talking about a lot of the big games there, but we missed one um, that we should have mentioned, which was Florida State versus Jacksonville State, um, yes. talking about one of those crazy upsets, and it being a 20-17 to 17 win where Jacksonville State had a long Hail Mary pass on the last play of the game that ended up going for a touchdown. Right, and it was a remarkable play. And uh, as it's turned out, you know, Florida State is obviously showing itself to be a team that's really, really struggling, right? So um, maybe we'll look back at this at the end of the year and say, well, of course, because Florida State was a mess, right? Uh, But that still is a big, big deal and and should never happen when you look at the actual talent disparity between those two programs. Very true, very true. Um, So I want to get that one out of the way here. Uh, before we dive into what happened uh, week three, so not last weekend, but the weekend before that when Nebraska played Oklahoma. And the big game from that week was, of course, Alabama-Florida, which we predicted on episode 108 of College Football Throwdown. I predicted that Alabama would win 38-21. You predicted that they would win over Florida 31-28. And you ended up being real close there because the final score was 31-29. Florida actually... Mm -hmm had a chance to tie the game. They went for two um, when they got a touchdown near the end and they didn't get the two-point conversion. So that's why there was the two-point disparity. Yes. and and But yet it was a weird game in that uh, I think initially Alabama was in a big lead, right? I think it was like 17 to nothing in the first quarter. Yeah. And it looked like it was going to be you know more of the same. But then, you know, Florida just hung in there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, and they got some uh, big plays off of their own, um, and uh, they, you know, seemed like they they were able to hold Alabama's offense back more in the second half, like you say, and make it close. Um, but unfortunately, you know, they weren't able to finish the job. There was another game as well um, that came down to that same scenario where it was like a two point conversion. It was actually in week four, the Baylor Iowa State game, where Baylor won by the same point spread, thirty one twenty nine was also a two-point conversion at the end that uh, didn't go through. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, how are these uh, games, which are, you know, close like that, uh, so often that two-point conversion or whatever, you know, it's just this one thing here or there, and it's that's the difference. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, in that Iowa State one uh, specifically, because I watched the highlights of that, um, the quarterback went under center and bobbled the snap in some way. The snap got messed up. And so the whole timing of the play was off and, you know, it was basically game over at that point, which is like, man, to make a to make a snap mistake right at that moment oh, really must yeah. have sucked. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and th- this is an interesting one. I think this these two will lead into each other well. Um, in week three, Clemson played against Georgia Tech and won, uh, but it was 14 to eight. So surprisingly low scoring close game for the perceived talent levels of those two teams. And then in week four, we have uh, one of the biggest upsets of the season so far. Uh, Clemson losing to NC State 27-21. And uh I watched the highlight of the uh, NC State game, and I was surprised at how much Clemson's offense was struggling. You know, we're used to seeing them with these great quarterbacks, you know, pulling off these awesome plays and things like that. Um, But NC State was really able to shut them down for good chunks of that game. Right. Well, and and it's not that they don't have a talented quarterback. They do, but he's young, right? Right. And – and then, uh, and the this is the danger of uh, teams that are good for a long period of time, like Clemson was. They've been very good for the last, you know, eight nine years, whatever. Um, is that at some point you grow to expect it, right? You grow to uh, almost feel entitled to it, and then all of a sudden, um, uh, you know, the aura is gone. Um, the invincibility cloak is removed. And voila, all of a sudden, you know, everybody's giving you their best shot because they smell blood in the water and, and they're no longer scared. And I feel like that's what's now happened to Clemson is that a lot of the other teams, I, I think Clemson is going to uh, have a big challenge on their hands because I think every uh, ACC team now feels like this is the year to get to knock off Clemson, Right. So they're going to get everybody's best shot. The the intimidation factor of just how great Clemson was is now gone. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out the rest of the year. Clemson may still win uh, and, and almost certainly will win most all those games. But I think they're going to be tougher earned victories. And those guys are going to have to re-earn that status of being a team to fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you sound like you're speaking from experience there, uh, talking about <laughs> uh, the team's invincibility wearing off, <laughs> Mr. Right. Cornusker it, it, fan. It, exactly, <laughs> but it's true. I, I think that that has happened to them, 
And, you know, there was speculation about it with, with, with uh, Nick Saban in Alabama a few years ago after they had kind of seemed uh, mortal for a little while. But what didn't Saban do? He, he doubled down. He, he, you know, made everything harder. He just really, really drowned it out, man. Just made it a total grind for his team. And a year later, they're winning a national title again and looking remarkable doing it. And uh, so we'll see what, whether Dabo is able to reestablish that. But it's something that you, you, you really do. You need to do it. And that's why you see Nick Saban regularly go ape crazy on the media when he thinks that they're making his job harder because they keep telling the team how great they are. Yeah. And then that, that just makes him furious. Yeah. And because he understands how hard it is to keep that edge. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I think you're, you're onto something there with uh, Dabo, you know, and that this is like his going to be his first real challenge. I mean, I'm sure he, I don't know his full coaching career. I'm sure he had struggle of years while he was getting Clemson, up to that level where they're competing for national championships. But since that era, like you say, of their kind of dominance, well, this will be he, the first he, time he's really been challenged. No, it, uh, it's interesting. You know, he, he is a great, he's a great study. If you want to uh, look at um, Scott Frost. Okay. They're one big difference though, but <laughs> Dabo lost to Nebraska, uh, a uh, um, uh, Bellini uh, coached Nebraska team. Right, his first year when he was an interim, he 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 got put in as an interim coach, and then was named the head coach just before the bowl game. But he was the interim up until that point, and then played Bo in a uh, bowl game, and we beat him. Right, mm -hmm. uh, and then he was you know kind of a five hundred ish coach for like four years, mm -hmm. and then it it really turned. Now, the difference between him and Scott, because you could look at Scott's record and say, okay, you know, they, they stayed patient with Dabo. Um, maybe we need to do the same thing with Scott. The difference is Dabo was establishing a program. He was recruiting lights out during that period of time and building each year with better and better talent, right? I mean, it was a nice progression of talent that he was bringing into the program each year. And Scott was doing that as well until this year. Uh, or I should say until last year. And now this year, you know, Scott's recruiting is tanked off the edge. So that's where the comparison stops. I know that was a little sidebar. I just yeah. wanted to share that. No, no, no. I think that that is an interesting comparison. And now, now he's had this dominance and now having a more of a, a struggling season, you know, and for them, I think last year, though they made it to the playoff again, um, the way that they lost to Ohio State, you'll remember because we watched that game live, and it was shocking how dominant Ohio State looked in that game. Right, compared to them, yeah. Right. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, you could almost see the cracks in the armor then, right? Mm -hmm. uh, even though they were still very talented. But, but yeah, so they're, they're just going through some growing pains. But it's going to be interesting to see, and I think how Dabo handles it will determine if – they fall back a little bit, you know, uh, or if they reemerge even stronger as a result, which is what Alabama was able to accomplish. Very true. Uh, the other big game from week three uh, was Penn State versus Auburn, which Penn State won 28-20. Uh, now Auburn has, you know, been more of a middling team in the SEC in the past few years. 
Um, but still, whenever it's Big Ten versus the SEC, you know, my ears kind of perk up and see, okay, how, how are they going to do? Um, and watching the highlights of the game, it wasn't, it didn't seem like there was, uh, I know there were some uh, penalties and officiating that uh, the James Franklin at Penn State was not pleased with. Um, but in general, from looking at the highlights, there wasn't like lots of interceptions or crazy moments it was more so just a good back and forth you know with both teams scoring against each other and Penn State was just kind of able to come out on top at the end right you're, you're exactly right and I think uh Penn State's coach um feels pretty good about where his team is kind of maturing you know he's he recognizes they're not great but that they're getting better and he likes what he's seeing from them um because I, you know, again, look, watching them early in the season, they played. Well, who was it? Wisconsin, right? First game yeah. of the year, and uh, and uh, they just could not get a first down run in the football. Right? They they were uh, Wisconsin completely shut down their running game, made them one dimensional. And uh, but I, I saw a team that had uh, made some progress in that area. Right? And mm-hmm. if they keep doing what they're doing, they're going to be an awfully good team by the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I believe they're actually... So so might Auburn, by the way, too. Maybe. I believe Penn State, as of this upcoming week, week five, is ranked fourth in the country uh, on the AP poll. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's probably (laughs) overranked. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) But but, uh, uh, but, uh, my point is they're getting better. And as long as they... You know, can keep taking those steps every week. By the end of the year, they might absolutely deserve that ranking. Right. And I've seen a rumor that apparently there's some interest from the USC side of things for James Franklin to be the one to step in as USC's coach. Um, yeah. Now, to me, that seems like a bit weird because obviously he's been building a good thing there at Penn State, you know, like some ups and downs for sure. But in general, I think they're you know, happy with him. Um, but does he have like a, a connection to USC, a personal connection that would really make him want to take that job? I don't believe so. However, uh, the thing about the USC job, when you compare it to the Penn State job, if you are uh, coaching at Penn State and recruiting at Penn State, what's your circumstance, right? You are fighting with Ohio State, Michigan, and now uh, more recently, you know, Maryland is in the Big Ten now. Rutgers is in the Big Ten. And Penn State's roster has historically been loaded with, I mean, the best talent from New York and from Maryland, right? They have been able to go into those states and steal uh, the best talent from those states pretty regularly, okay? Um, and then they were also competing with Ohio State and Michigan for those kinds of talents. But they were often coming in third. If you if you look over, you know, his tenure there at, at Penn State, they have not often been first in recruiting within the Big Ten. They've almost always been third or fourth or fifth, right? Right. If you go out to USC, not only do you potentially have the ability, if you, if you get USC right, you're going to be the number one uh, recruiting um, program in the entire Western side of the country. Okay. And the PAC 12 is going to be a way easier conference to get through than the big 10 does not have near the depth of talent as the big 10 does. 
The Pac-12 has always got a couple of teams at the top that are really good and then some lesser teams, whereas the Big Ten has a couple of teams that are really talented and then some teams that are just good. You know what I mean? Solid. And so their chance, if his goal from a career standpoint is to win a national title, then I think he would see the USC job as a much higher opportunity for him than the Penn State job, right? Um, And so that's why people think it's a legitimate consideration. But I actually think he's more of an East Coast guy, more of a Big Ten slash you know, east side of the country guy. I don't know that he's got a lot of history out west. So I think if he did do it, it would be a huge mistake for him. Because mm-hmm. I think he would find it harder to recruit out there than he realizes because he doesn't have the relationships. He'd have to he'd have to abandon a lot of his coaches probably and and put together a whole new staff that were guys that had relationships and connections out there in the West. Right. And 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 that that just sounds like a recipe for disaster if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Right. So, or at least so. At least your core, you may you might be able to keep one or two, but the rest would have to come from the West right. Coast. Um, right. So so anyway, I, I, I know he's in the discussion, but I think it would be a huge mistake if he did it. And I think ultimately he's smart enough that he'd figure that out on his own, that that ultimately he'll be the guy that, that lets the dalliance occur so that he can get a raise from Penn State. You know, he'll use it as leverage, but he won't take the job. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning as well. Uh, looking ahead to week four this past weekend, uh, we already talked two, about two of the biggest games, which would be Clemson-NC State and that Baylor-Iowa State game. Um, one that definitely caught my eye, another big upset, is uh, Arkansas beating Texas A&M 20-10, now having beaten both the University of Texas and Texas A&M. So uh, I'm sure they're popular in the state of Texas right now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, what's your thoughts? Well, I watched the highlights of that game, um, and it was another one where I believe Arkansas went up uh, early. You know, like they 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 got off to a, a pretty good start early on, and then Texas A and M kind of came back a little later. Um, but you know, Arkansas clearly has some serious talent. You know, and I think they're they're one of the breakout teams of this early part of the season to me. Um, yep. They have an upcoming game against Georgia, which is obviously going to be a, the the real test for them. You know, if they're if they've got the the real stuff to them, um, right? But but uh, I'm always happy to see Texas lose, so that that one was a, a high point for me. Yes, that's good. That is good. Um, well, and you know, I I will be honest and tell you, I didn't watch any of that game. I didn't watch highlights or anything. I really, don't know anything to add. Other than it is interesting how Arkansas has been able to do that quietly in just a few years since they switched coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that timing is very much, uh, you know, shorter than Scott Frost, right? So how does a team like Arkansas, who was, uh, you know, their previous coach was, is now the coach at Illinois, um, and, uh, but he came in and has righted that ship and has now got them competing in uh, a shorter period of time than Scott. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it always comes back to Nebraska, doesn't it? Like, why? It does. Well, why, 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 did, why did we get that coach? <laughs> well, I'm not even saying that. I'm saying, well, why can't a coach do at Nebraska what that guy has been able to do at Arkansas when I would argue that 
resource wise and commitment and passion and support from fan base is at least as good at Nebraska, if not better in all those categories. Right. Very true. Very true. Uh, this was an interesting one. Um, Oklahoma versus West Virginia. Oklahoma won, but it was 16 to 13. Um, kind of showing what we kind of saw from our game that um, this doesn't seem like the kind of dominant, you know, Heisman Trophy uh, quarterback type Oklahoma team that they've had in the past. It seems like they're they're kind of um, building things up more. Right. Well, uh, yeah, they definitely are not in sync offensively yet. Uh, I would say that's an absolute truth uh, now uh, after looking at these last two weeks. I would also say, though, that it was West Virginia, right? So yep. th- that's probably a team that might end up by the end of the season being viewed as, you know, the second or third best team in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know whether they're better than Texas or whatever, but but they uh, they beat Virginia Tech here a couple of weeks ago, if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, West Virginia is pretty damn good football team. Mm-hmm. True. So, so that that's part of why Oklahoma what wasn't a whitewash. You know, it wasn't a dominant performance. Yep. Yep. Very true. But I think it feeds into that narrative that we talked about early on that the the blue bloods, you know, the ones that have been at the top of the sport, are looking more mortal so far this season than uh, we've seen recently. Yeah, well, I would agree. Yeah. Um, and we talked about this a little bit on our previous podcast, talking about Nebraska's games, which was Notre Dame versus Wisconsin, ended up being a yeah. forty-one to thirteen uh, victory for Notre Dame. However, thirty-one of Notre Dame's points came in the fourth quarter, while Wisconsin, I believe, scored zero points in that fourth quarter. So, uh, Wisconsin, I believe, threw like two pick sixes in a row, uh, really kind of self-destructed at the end, which was a shame. As a Wisconsin fan, I'd be really mad if. We played a good close game and then just co- totally collapsed. Frankly, that sounds a little bit like uh, the Bo Pelini days of uh, Nebraska football there with that whole China doll thing. But uh, what was your impressions of that game? Yeah, well, I, I did get to watch some glimpses of that. And, you know, I was watching it during a time when it was competitive. And and uh, what I what I was react my reaction was probably stronger about Notre Dame and the fact that you know Notre Dame was fairly highly ranked and um um you know I was looking at that game and thinking that this team may not be as good as I thought they were right um and that uh because I had seen them struggle the week before I guess it was against Purdue and um Mm -hmm. and so I'm thinking you know these big 10 teams are really making it difficult on Notre Dame and uh, and my speculation as I as I moved on to other games was Notre Dame might, might very well lose this thing that that I thought uh, as I was turning the channel Wisconsin is probably the kind of team that's going to end up winning that at the end right mm-hmm. and then I hear later the score and I'm like whoa that is not what I expected at all so it's it's kind of hard for me to to judge it but I, but I would say don't overestimate Notre Dame and don't underestimate Wisconsin off of that that final game score right because I think you'll be you'll be way off in, in either count I think Notre Dame still has a lot to prove to me after the, after winning that game and I would say that anybody who thinks Wisconsin is somehow diminished because they lost with a big number to Notre Dame 
are are going to be sorely mistaken when Wisconsin's defense slams their them shut, you know, <laughs> shuts them down. Yeah. So, and we talked about Florida State earlier. You'll recall that Notre Dame versus Florida State was like one of the first games of the year. Um, right. And Notre Dame won, but it was a tight battle. And now we've seen Florida State struggle since then. Um, right. Exactly. So that may be another reflection of where Notre Dame's kind of really at. Right. And well, and, and Notre Dame plays the kind of schedule where there's going to be some other opportunities, let's say, to see how they do. Right. So right. we'll see how that all plays out in the coming weeks here. Yep. And another interesting one in the Big Ten was Michigan versus Rutgers, um, a game that Michigan won 20 to 13. However, uh, Michigan scored all 20 of those points in the first half. Um, one of those, another one of those games where they really kind of controlled that first half um, and then really got shut down, uh, really had some issues getting their running game going that had been working earlier. Uh, Rutgers must have made some adjustments at halftime. Um, I believe they missed a field goal as well um, that would have gotten them some points on the board. Um, and uh, Rutgers had a chance to win it at the end, but I believe they threw an interception or something, you know, that ended the game right there. Um, but uh, it was interesting to see Michigan going with this running game philosophy that was frankly more like classic Nebraska. Like I saw the first drive of the game. I think it was like a seven minute drive down the field to score. And they were just pounding that rock, you know, over and over again. Um, But my understanding is that there are some Michigan fans who aren't as pleased with that style that Jim Harbaugh has chosen to go with. You know, I remember on our previous podcast episode 108, we talked about how they had just gotten a nice win and they had kind of found their identity as a team with that, learning game focus. Um, but do you think that identity is coming into question after this Rutgers game or not? Me? No, I don't. I don't know <laughs> who that, who would be asked, asking that question. I, I think it's absolutely the right thing for them to do. And they just need to be patient with it. I think, uh, they were guilty. Uh, cause again, this was a game where, um, uh, Rutgers definitely came out in the second half had made adjustments. Uh, and the thing with, uh, again, in the big 10, you can count on is all of these teams, they're going to play for 60 minutes. They're not giving up, right? And you better play and maintain your intensity for every damn minute of that game. And Michigan, I think, was guilty of, you know, backing off just a, just a little bit, right? Uh, they had a, a what would have been considered a fairly comfortable lead. I think it was like 17 to 3 or something. What, what, at halftime would have been 20. Cause like I said, they scored all 20, 20 points. Th- okay. First half. Sorry. So 20 to three at halftime. And you know, they thought they were on cruise control and they came out in the second half and played like that. Right. And mm-hmm. then Rutgers just kind of stayed with it, you know, to get back to his old moniker, that coach there chopping wood. And, and he just kept chopping away, chopping away, chopping away. And the next thing you know, Oh, you know, a couple of, couple of things go their way and wham, all of a sudden things are getting interesting here. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's, you just got to avoid that. God. So I think Michigan, it would be wise to stay the course with what they're doing. Um, because that passing game is, is going to come along as long as they continue to build on that running game identity that they've established. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I would agree with you there. I think, you know, staying patient with it and hopefully, if that is what happened in this game, that they kind of got a little lackadaisical, how close it 
went and how down to the wire it was will kind of wake up the team to be like, okay, we can't we can't fall asleep at the wheel here, guys. We got to focus here on out. So I'm sure that's what exactly. Harbaugh's t- preaching to them in the locker room. Yep, I think so too. All right. So looking ahead to this upcoming week of college football, there are actually are quite a few good games. Um, I mentioned that Arkansas-Georgia game uh, in the SEC. Um, in the Big Ten, we've got uh, Michigan versus Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin's not ranked in the top 25 now, I think, because of that. Like you said, that loss to Notre Dame. But as you mentioned, I wouldn't underestimate them. And, you know, that would be an interesting clash, like we were just talking about, that rushing game of Michigan's going up against Wisconsin's defensive line. You know, will that would be a real test to see if that Michigan philosophy can succeed even in that kind of a scenario. You are correct. It's going to be a very interesting game. And I think I think it's going to reveal quite a bit about both teams, right? It's going to reveal quite a bit about Minnesota and whether they just uh, Michigan happen to get no, it'll I mean not Minnesota, I meant Wisconsin. It's going to reveal a lot about Wisconsin uh, if because they've played against some teams that that have good names, right? They they've played Penn State, they've played Notre Dame, right? But um, were either of those teams really that good running the football? I don't know, right? right. Um, maybe they just weren't that good yet. They got talent, but they just weren't there yet when they played Wisconsin. Or is it that Wisconsin's defense is, in fact, that good? And if it is, then, you know, then, then Wisconsin's going to have success against Michigan because if they can make Michigan one-dimensional, I think Michigan's shown themselves to, to be a team that's going to struggle to put points on the board offensively if they can't be balanced. Right, and they can't have that running component. So um, um, then it would be up to Michigan's side of the field to determine what what, what whether Wisconsin's going to be able to have enough points. Because I, I would say Wisconsin's offense is probably the biggest question mark in this game. Um, Wisconsin's offense has been very up and down, mostly down uh, in terms of productivity. And then against Notre, Notre Dame, obviously had some problems with turnovers. So you know, what, what Wisconsin offense is going to show up. Yeah. Um, and that'll be the thing that decides who wins that game. Very true. Very true. It might be a scenario like the Nebraska Michigan state game where the defense plays great, but other parts of the team let uh, Wisconsin down. Right. Right. So. Could be, but, but if Wisconsin comes out with a win, then, then there's going to be a lot of clamoring. Like you said at Michigan about, is this the right way or not? Right. Um, and, talking about a team we also mentioned earlier Notre Dame uh they're playing against Cincinnati who's ranked seventh in this current poll um so that's gonna be another interesting challenge for them as a team uh, to see if they can hold up to that right I would agree yeah yeah I, I don't know as much about Cincinnati's season so I don't have much to say on that one well but and this is another guy that's kind of auditioning mm, right for for the USC job Ah, right. Well, and Cincinnati is going to be going to the Big 12 now. So that's another kind of factor. That's true. That's true. Um, And then in the SEC, there are some interesting games. Um, Alabama versus Ole Miss and Auburn versus LSU. Hmm. Uh, Well, now say Auburn versus LSU is going to be really interesting because because, LSU has had an up and down season. And I feel like Auburn played, even though they lost, played quite well 
against Penn State mm-hmm. and seemed to be coming on. So um, I, I would feel like Auburn has a positive tra- trajectory, and I don't know what to think about LSU. Is, is it at LSU? Uh, like who's at home is the is the key there. It's probably at LSU since Auburn was home last week against Penn State, weren't they? I, or no, no, I'm wrong about that. That the Auburn game was at Penn State. It is at LSU. It's at LSU. Okay, uh, so I would lean to LSU probably just because of home field in that situation. Uh, um, but uh, whoever loses that game is going to be in kind of deep trouble. Right, and the with from a division fight standpoint, uh, they're going to be kind of out of the mix, right? Uh, I think fairly early in the season. Um, and the one who wins it is going to position themselves to fight for you know, um, who's gonna who's gonna be the, the one that might knock off Alabama, which I think is no one, but right anyway, because well, <laughs> they're going to be the ones. Most likely. Yeah, it's worth remembering, I was just looking up here, that LSU uh, got upset by UCLA in their first game of the year. Um, they haven't really played anybody. Um, well, I guess they did. They played Mississippi State last week, and they won, but only by three points. Um, and then that UCLA team uh, got upset by Fresno State uh, a couple weeks ago. Right. Um, so, exactly. so yeah, I, I would agree. I personally think I would lead Auburn even with the uh, LSU home game. Home game, yeah. Um, you know, you, you may be right, and if it is, that might be the un, the beginning of the unraveling of that coach, which is ironic because he's like two years removed from a national championship. Right. But there's already rumblings at LSU about him. So, yep, he and and tells he, you how fickle. Yeah. Well. It, it, College football definitely is fickle, and he is a character, Ed Ogeron. Yes. And all that. Um, and then Ole Miss, you know, uh, should probably give uh, Alabama a challenge, but uh, that's another one where I would say I would definitely would favor Alabama by two touchdowns. Well, and this is this is another one of these games, Nick Saban against a former assistant, right, mm-hmm. For, former coordinator. And uh, although I will say that uh, – um, um, Kiffin has has thrown some curves at him and beaten Alabama um, uh, once or twice uh, previously. I feel like, isn't it? Gets Kiffin right at Ole Miss. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I just don't think he has the talent to compete and beat uh, Saban right now. You know what I mean? He just doesn't have it. So he might have the creative energies and stuff to do it but he just doesn't have the horses to do it Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna say alabama and and if alabama if nick saban could he would like nothing more than to crush this team (laughs) nick i i think uh uh, it's one of those things where he and uh uh, kiffin did not end their relationship in good terms yeah so i i i think nick would love to crush him and I just looked up; it is at Alabama as well, so that's another Ooh, advantage. Yeah. So I, I, you know what? This might be the time. I think, um, quite frankly, then there's probably a good chance that Alabama kicks the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then last games to talk about: we've got uh, Oregon versus Stanford in the Pac-12, and in the Big Twelve, uh, Baylor versus Oklahoma State. Stanford uh, played against UCLA last week and lost uh, 35-24. Uh, whereas Oregon has looked um, quite strong this year, you know, beating Wisconsin and some other teams. So 
that's another one where you would expect Oregon to win uh, pretty comfortably. But, uh, you know, that's one of those rivalry games where, you know, anything could kind of happen on the day of it. Well, uh, 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 for the Oregon game, uh, uh, Oregon's going to win. I think it's I think Oregon's the the, the best team in uh, in the Pac-12. So uh, I, I would expect them to continue to do well. Um, they beat Ohio State, not Wisconsin. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. You're right. So, but uh, so that's probably one of the biggest upsets uh, of a major, you know, top five type of team is uh, the way in which they beat Ohio State. I mean, like it, Ohio State couldn't couldn't figure it out at all, and so um, uh, Oregon's going to have to beat themselves to lose. I guess is my thought on that. So. Mm-hmm. And then what about the uh, Oklahoma State versus Baylor? That's a tougher one. <laughs> um, you know, Oklahoma State had a good game this week, this past week. Uh, they won. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Baylor, uh, just because I, I I I don't know much about either team, so I, I, it's a hard hard for me to judge because I haven't seen much. But I think that Baylor's got some talent. And, and that, uh, that I'll just go with that. Yep. Well, Baylor is coming off of that win against Iowa state that we mentioned earlier and Iowa state was ranked higher than them. Um, right. And I, I watched the highlights of that one and they got a lot of, uh, it seemed like one of those ones where Iowa state kind of drove it down and was selling for field goals a lot. Whereas Baylor was getting the big plays more often to get touchdowns and things like that. Um, so I think that'll be an interesting one. Uh, looking at yeah, here, well, classic, classic kind of game, right? Maybe high scoring and very entertaining. Yep, and it's at Oklahoma State as well. So. Oh, well, that should give Oklahoma State a little bit more of a chance then, uh, as far as uh, likelihood. Yeah, you would think so. All right. Huh. Yep. So a lot of you know now we're starting to get into the the conference games here, which is always an exciting time. Um, Lots of uh, good games coming up this week. And, of course, Nebraska's game against Northwestern, which we'll be watching and crossing our fingers for. Um, But in terms of these games, uh, let's give a score prediction for the Michigan-Wisconsin game, since that's a big one in the Big Ten. Um, Okay. How are you feeling that one is going to go? I'm going to say... I mean, Wisconsin's defense has just played so well. And uh, it's at Wisconsin. I, it's at Wisconsin. I'm going to have to go with Wisconsin. Wisconsin's going to win. It's going to be a close game. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be. Um, let's let's go 28-24 Wisconsin. 28-24 Wisconsin. Okay. Um to change things up, I'll go ahead and say that it kind of goes like how we predicted earlier in the program. That it'll be a, a low-scoring game where Wisconsin's defense is able to uh, shut down Michigan's offense quite a bit, uh, but that Wisconsin's offense or their special teams will make some mistakes that let Michigan stay in it, score some easy points, and that uh, uh, Michigan will end up winning the game. Um, so I'll go ahead and predict uh, 13 for Wisconsin and Michigan 17. 
Wow. That's good. That's a very logical. I love everything you just said. <laughs> I probably should have done what uh, I like your prediction better than mine. <laughs> well, you've said it in the past and then sometimes you've been right. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but no, I, but I like your logic though. I think your, your, your thought process is right on. All right. Well, we'll see who, uh, who wins our, our fake points here. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> for these little contests. All right. So uh, for those of you out there who enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can find us if you search for College Football Throwdown on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, you can leave us a rating or a review. We always love hearing from the fans. Let us know how you think we can approve the podcast. So thank you all out there for listening. Thank you, Dad, for joining me for this episode. And until next week, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.